Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. We'll get you ready for the top high school football games in Lee and Collier counties each week with our analysis and predictions. Here are your hosts, the News Press's Adam Regan and the Naples Daily News' Adam Fisher. Hey everybody and welcome to Inside Southwest Florida Football, Episode 3, going into Week two, I'm Adam Regan of the News Press, and I'm joined, as always, by Adam Fisher of the Naples Daily News. Getting a little momentum with this podcast. People are starting to listen. Amy Osher of Behind the Headlines did a piece on us. We were on television. That's yes, right. Yes. It was a good piece by Amy Osher. Uh, we thank her for her hard work. And I also want to thank you, Adam. You're welcome. Uh, because you cast yourself as the funny guy. I did. On, on the podcast, and me as the straight lace guy. I appreciate that because that takes a ton of pressure off me to be the funny guy. <laughs> Maybe I oversold it a bit. I may I, not be the funny one per se. No, you took the pressure I, off me. I did so. say more animated, which I think is accurate. So tell me a joke, funny guy. Uh, two guys walk into a bar. Third one ducks. Oh, okay. <laughs> got it. I have two children. That is a dad joke. The the funny guy with the dad joke. That's right. All right, so we as we get into week two, let's look back at week one, the long oh boy. week that was week one. So week one, I'll tell you what, man. It was a sobering dose of reality for me because I'm going to be honest, I got a little cocky after the preseason, my oh preseason my game. Not a drop of rain, not a bolt of lightning. I get to Naples week one, look at the skies, beautiful blue, you know, Florida skies. Four hours later, I've still not seen a down of football. Uh, the game I was at did not kick off till 10.30. It didn't end till 12.49 a.m., and that's long after you had gone home because you got sent home early by the rain. So while you're curled up with a nice book uh, by the fireplace at, at Regan Manor, I'm, uh, I'm still working long and hard at Naples High School last week. I was sitting in the parking lot at Riverdale High for three and a half hours. But you still got to go home early, right? Yeah, great. <laughs> great. But, but you uh, did have to work Monday. Then I worked Monday. I covered a really good... North and Riverdale game. I guess we can talk about that first. Sure, yeah. Riverdale is legit. They played a really good North team. And I don't know about really good. I'll take away really. A good North right. team with talent, a huge offensive line they have, and they beat them 21-7. to They kind of played a good defense in the second half, really. North fumbles on the goal line in the third quarter with a chance to tie the game, and then it, that was really all she wrote. As advertised, the running backs at Riverdale right. are you know excellent well, in that single wing. You've been talking up that running game, and they ran for 364 yards. Um, Quantavius Brown, 161 rushing yards. You look at there were four players on Riverdale that had seven or more carries, so they really spread the load around. And as I said, as a team, 364 yards, that's pretty good no matter who you're playing. And running back, linebacker, Darian Robinson just did just mm-hmm. about everything that's in right. that game. He had two and a half sacks, re- recovered that fumble on the goal line, scored a touchdown early, and had some uh, a key catch and a key run to put them ahead. So it's going to be an interesting week. Uh, did, did you like uh, Shamari Mason? Shamari Mason is a very good player. Had all 100 of his yards, I think, was in the first half. Yeah. And I saw him make a really great play where he juked out three different defenders. Kid's about five foot five. But just it's like he shot out of a cannon. Yeah, I saw him in the preseason at Naples. Now I was pretty impressed with him. So no matter what North does, he's going to be a pretty good athlete for them this year. Let's get into Golden Gate Immokalee yeah. from last week. So Golden Gate, they host Immokalee, and they win. First off, let me ask you, 
as you were at home, you know, at, with, with a nice book at uh, midnight on Friday, did you feel the reverberations? Because you told me if Golden Gate were to upset Immokalee, it, it would reverberate up here in Lee County. You would feel the shock waves all the way at Regan Manor. Did you feel those well, rumblings? I was following Andy Sodegren on Twitter, and I could feel it. Okay. Uh, I mean, there was a bit of an aftershock after the game was over, but you could feel it rumbling during the game. They were ahead 8 nothing in the third quarter. Yeah. You could feel it building, and then they really just blew them out towards the end, and you could really feel it up here in Lee County. And I live in Gateway, so I could kind of feel that. All the way up there, that's up, good. All the way up I there, will yeah. tell you, uh, Josh Wilson of FloridaHighSchoolFootball.com, who does an excellent job covering the entire state for just one website, he even reached out to me and, and wanted some info because he said that was one of the biggest shocks in the state this week just because of how good Immokalee has been, how Golden Gate has traditionally not been great three years in a row. They've only won three games. But let's be fair, Immokalee was without starting quarterback R.J. Rosales. That's my, que- that's my question to you, mm-hmm. if I can interrupt you for you a may. second. How important is R.J. Rosales to this Immokalee <laughs> Apparently team? very important. And, and, and Coach Mike DeGrigley for Golden Gate even admitted it. He said, let's be honest about what we beat. You know, you could tell they just they looked out of sync and out of rhythm. Um, that's not to say that if Rosales is gone for a while that they can't, you know, kind of recapture that once you get used to playing without them. But they had their running back, Raheem Toombs. Andy Sodergren told me they just stacked the box. But eight, nine guys in there, he didn't do much of anything. Um, Immokalee didn't score until, I think, what, the fourth quarter when they were already down, 30 to nothing, something like that. So no matter what, though, Immokalee should have the speed and the athletes to look a lot better than they did just without their quarterback. The Immokalee defense played really well in the mm-hmm. first half. And as I said, it was 8 nothing in the third quarter before the wheels came off. Do you think it was a matter of the defense just holding and holding and holding and them being on the sideline and watching no points scored by Immokalee with a backup quarterback? Is there a confidence issue halfway through the game where the defense plays really well and just – it's almost all for nothing. Well, I, I think Golden Gate just has stellar athletes this year. We've talked about that. And you see that in high school. You can stop a guy. You stop a stellar running back like a Juvinsley Bazil. You know, he's going to carry the ball 25 times. You can stop him 24. But that 25th time, he's going to run 60 yards for, for a touchdown. I think he had two touchdowns. Him and Jay Harrard, who plays kind of quarterback, running back hybrid, both of them rushed for over 100 yards. Both had uh, TDs. So when you got athletes like that, no matter the defense, it's hard to stop them consistently, especially when there's multiple ones. Golden Gate runs that offense where they've got basically three guys in the backfield that can catch the ball, that can uh, take off and run, that can throw it, um, anything they want. So it's going to be a unique offense for defenses to plan for. Immokalee being the first opponent this year, maybe didn't have as much a game film, wasn't expecting it. Uh, but Golden Gate looked good. Turning point in that game, do you think it was the tip pass to Vensley Bazil that, from that Harrard? Big, one. I mean, it was a Immokalee guy that got a finger on it, right. right? And it just didn't go their way, and that's what put them up. What they ended up going up sixteen nothing at that point. I think so. And then is that's, that a backbreak? That, that's probably a it is, and it's also a a booster for a Golden Gate. You know, the big thing Coach DeGrigley has talked about this year is he wants his team to walk into a game expecting to win not um, hoping they win. And for a team like Golden Gate that doesn't have a big history, especially of beating Immokalee, which they haven't done for six, seven years, that's tough. But once you get that big touchdown, you think, okay, maybe maybe this is going our way and you got a big lead and, you know, it keeps kind of snowballing. Another game I want to talk about is the Cape Coral-South Fort Myers game. Cape pulls off a 26-25. I'll call it an upset. Yeah. But South Fort Myers shot themselves in the foot so many times this game. Uh, they turned the ball over a bunch of times. After Golden Gate goes up late in the game, with about a minute to go, South Fort Myers drives down the field. Freddie Ward scores a touchdown. They have an opportunity to kick the extra point to tie it, but their kicker is injured. 
they had already burned a couple of timeouts. It was one of those situations. They took a delay of game yeah. on the extra point, and then they missed the extra point. Brian Kahn's a very, very good coach. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the best in Lee County. This was a tough one for him, I think. And they, they've now lost two years in a row to Cape Coral. But last year, South was able to bounce back from that, win a district championship. I think that they'll be able to use this one as some motivation moving forward. I think so. Um, but let's talk about Cape. I mean, I was impressed with what sure. they were able to do, even even if South is causing some errors. But Cape played well, put it together in crunch time. You know, they had that drive in the fourth quarter that I think they were down a point, like 19 to 18, uh-huh. ended up scoring, getting a big two-point conversion, which ended up being the uh, difference there. Um, so kudos to them, a team that's looking to bounce back from a losing record. And they, they were down 13 nothing in that game. Oh, wow. I didn't it's realize It's easily to just pack it in after that when you're playing a team as talented as South Fort Myers. And it's also the first win for Dale Moore as the head coach at Cape. That's right, 1-0 for our old buddy Dale Moore. Yeah, that's interesting. Moving forward, Cape could throw a wrench into that district where right. you have Port Charlotte and Charlotte who are the class of that district. And North, who I also said was good. Right. Cape could could definitely well, you're right. Those compete teams in that district. You mentioned are all kind of that middle of the pack, except for Charlotte. I think they're kind of the class of that district. But um, Port Charlotte's very good, too. You'll, yeah, and we'll talk about them later. they got a big game coming up this week. I think they're playing South, aren't yes, they? Yes, they are. Okay, yes. we'll save that for later. Um, but, yes, you are right. I think Cape does have a chance to kind of hang around and compete and hang with those teams. And did you want to go into the uh, First Baptist ECS game from last week? Sure, just because that was one of the big surprises for me. Not that First Baptist won, just that First Baptist won by 40 points, 54-14 to 14 against Evangelical Christian. First Baptist, I feel like, is a team that maybe we kind of forgot about in the past, you know, six months, 12 months, because last year they missed the playoffs, even though First Baptist was 5-3. and three. Missed the playoffs, and St. John Newman was so good, they kind of stole the uh, 2A spotlight down there. We've got First Baptist, St. John Newman Community School, our 2A schools that are all very good programs. But let's not forget, First Baptist won five straight district championships before missing the playoffs last year. I think they've uh, used that as motivation because... ECS was a team that we were talking about that could have made the playoffs last year had this new rule been instated that six teams from each region make it. They want to make it this year, and First Baptist just came out and, and smacked them around. I think ECS considers itself a, a playoff contender. I think they are a playoff and they team. Are. Um, so that just shows you what First Baptist has kind of come to play with. That's a tough week one game for ECS to go down to First Baptist. and I was expecting the score to be closer, but... I'm not going to take anything away from ECS. I think they're a playoff team, and I think they'll prove that. So we're going to take a break, and in our next segment, we're going to break down uh, some of the big games of the week. So we'll be right back. Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at NaplesNews.com, News-Press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and the News Press apps onto your mobile devices. All right, everybody, welcome back to Inside Southwest Florida Football. We are looking ahead to week two of the regular season. We're going to run down some games that Mr. Regan and I have pinpointed as going to be big games in this area. Let's start up here in uh, Lee County. we got North Fort Myers at Fort Myers. You kind of mentioned off pod, as they say, that uh, we both have seen North Fort Myers play. Uh, this is probably the only team that we've both seen play. I don't really think it's going to be a close game. Fort Myers has been impressive so far, uh, including a 42 to nothing win at Clewiston last week. So what's your take? I'm going to stick to North being better than people think. But Fort Myers is the class of Lee County. Willie Neal, I think he's the best football player mm. in Lee County. 
we took a lot of flack for not putting him on our Big 15 list, but uh, he, a lot of those guys had Power 5 offers, and Willie, he's got offers from a couple of Mac schools, but I believe he's the best football player. Ain't nothing wrong with the Mac. Best journalism school in America is in the Mac Conference. Ball State University, baby. No? You disagree? Go Cardinals? That's right. That's right. Hey, I will tell you, the most impressive stat I saw in looking at all these box scores from, what, 30 games this past week, Willie Neal completed 11 passes. Wait, that can't be right. I looked at the box score. It says he was 11 of 15, but then 11 players with the receptions. So that doesn't make sense because no. more players had multiple receptions. So I retract my statement. That was a impressive stat. Either way, Willie Neal looked he good. Led three, he led three touchdown drives on Fort Myers' first three possessions. It was 21 nothing before you could blink your eyes. And doing that at Cluiston, right. I thought that was a trap game, and they proved me wrong. How about we move to Collier County and go to the other flagship school? We've got Miami Palmetto. At Naples, this is a revenge game for Naples after what happened last year. I think it was 37-23 to 23 last year. 37-23, Miami Palmetto, a big 8A school coming over from, obviously, Miami. Uh, they made the playoffs in 8A the past two years. They won 17 games the past two years. Last year, Palmetto went 8-1 and one in the regular season, including a 37-23 to 23 win at Naples. Uh, it's going to be a big test. Uh, Naples looked okay last week against Miami Edison. They looked real good in the first half. Not so great in the second half, kind of the same thing uh, that they did in the preseason against North Fort Myers. Now, the second half didn't kick off until 11.45 p.m., so that may have had something to do with it. So we're going to see. Here's the thing, man. Another big stat that jumped out, and this one is correct. Naples fumbled nine times. Nine fumbles. I remember covering a uh, playoff game a few years ago when Naples lost and fumbled seven times. Coach Kramer says, I've done the math, I've crunched the numbers, and you shouldn't fumble one time. One time putting the ball on the ground is too much. I can't believe he was very happy with nine fumbles, including eight from uh, their new quarterback, Drew Wiltsey. Had some trouble on that center to quarterback exchange. Uh, let's see if they get that cleaned up because Palmetto is going to be a lot better team than Miami Edison. To be a fly on the wall during Naples practices this week. Uh, probably after, after a week where they fumbled that many times. Yeah. Next, we got Thursday night football in Lee County. Lehigh at Dunbar. This is always a pretty good rivalry game. All of these kids know each other. You know, they played Pop Warner against each other. I think this could be a, a, a statement game for Lehigh if they're able to get their mind right after not playing Sebring last week. I think that was a pretty big disadvantage for Lehigh, not playing a pretty good Sebring team as a warm-up for this Dunbar game. Well, and I'm interested to pick your brain because, um, you know, on your um, power poll, your, your news press rankings, on the news-press.com slash sports. Um, you still have Dunbar at number two, despite a pretty ugly loss at Charlotte. Now I'm guessing that what did they lose, 37 to 10. Um, now that was a game that covered more than 24 hours because it got right. delayed, then got delayed again on Saturday, and that's tough because I imagine they had to come down from Charlotte, then go back up the next day. Um, so does that have something to do with it? You think Dunbar's better than that? They didn't score an offensive touchdown no, against Charlotte. No, I, I just think playing at Charlotte is one thing. Playing a really good Charlotte team with such a great offensive line, and they ran the ball down Dunbar's throat. It was 300 yards rushing, and they held Dunbar to 36 yards of offense. Mm. Yeah, it was a game that Dunbar would like to forget, but then again, they've got all that talent, and they've had Lehigh's number the last couple of years, so I think they bounced back, and I kind of wanted Riverdale to earn that number two spot. They're number three in the power rankings, and if they go to Palmetto Ridge and beat them, they may have earned that. So with that... Let's get into the, the sexy game of the week. It's a Lee Collier matchup, Riverdale at Palmetto Ridge. 
Yeah, and I'm excited about this one just because, as we said, Riverdale has looked good. Palmetto Ridge impressed me in the preseason game. But here's the interesting part. Riverdale just played four days ago on Friday. It will have been four days. Palmetto Ridge hasn't played for 14 days. They didn't play, play a week one game. They had a week one bye. So I don't know. I mean, is that good for a young team like Palmetto Ridge? Would they rather have had a game where they're kind of in, in rhythm coming into a big Riverdale game? I don't know. Yeah, these week one buys just – it stinks well, for, for these yeah. teams, I think. And I don't know what goes into scheduling, but you know Palmetto Ridge didn't have a game. East Lee didn't have yeah. a game last week. Could be interesting, but I don't like having to go to Palmetto Ridge against a very good Bears team for the second game in five days. Yeah. That's going to be tough for Riverdale. I guess we'll see how tough they are because they've been looking pretty tough the last couple of weeks. And, and the Bears have a good defense. they got nine starters back on defense. And Riverdale, as we talked, has a good rushing attack. That's going to be your key matchup, those uh, up-front ones. We'll go down to Collier County for an interesting game, Glades Day at Community School. Yeah, I like this game. Um, as I said, CSN, traditionally a good program, missed the playoffs last year largely because they lost three games due to Irma. You talk about a team that hasn't played much. Community School has played one quarter of competitive football since November. Did not play a spring game, did not play a preseason game. Their week one game was against Marco Island Academy, um, and it was ended after the first quarter because of lightning, but community school was already up 27 to nothing. So I don't even know if that was a competitive quarter of football. So it's going to be interesting to see if CSN is in rhythm because Glades Day is a traditionally strong small school team. They've won seven state championships. We remember a few years back they had Kelvin Taylor, that running back, who rushed for 8 billion yards, set 8 billion records. But it's at community school. Uh, last year, their game at Glades Day was rained out. They didn't get to play. So it's going to be a good one. CSN, I know, has high hopes of making the playoffs, and we'll see if they're a real contender with this game. Glades Day, yeah, the tradition is there. You know, you already spoke about 8 billion yards yeah. for Kevin Taylor. They lost 30-8 to eight last week to Benjamin. That's a bigger school, right. so I don't think that they're down this year. But they have to come to Naples right. to play, so – that's an interesting bus trip for them. So I think that could be a, a, a good one. And another game I want to talk about, Hialeah at Gulf Coast. Gulf Coast coming off a win. Tom Scalise getting his first win as head coach. Right. I think we were kind of down on Gulf Coast we last were, week. We were, definitely. What's changed? Well, I'll be honest, I don't know. I haven't seen them. I think a opponent was a big deal. They lost 40 to nothing in the preseason against Immokalee. Immokalee's pretty good. They had R.J. Rosales at the time. And then they beat Laley. 30 to 13. I think Laley's a little more down than, than we thought. Um, but yeah, they looked good and they showed they're going to keep throwing it around. They've thrown it a lot the past few years, but they had a four year quarterback in Caden Frost. Now they got Justin Matia. He completed uh, four touchdown passes. So they're going to keep throwing it. 225 yards passing. That's right. So Coach Tom Scalise, 1 0 as a head coach. This is his first head coaching job. So shout out to him. And Hialeah is a team that they've beaten the past few years. Golf Coast beat them 46 to 6 last year. And, and so I think they should win this one. I don't think either of us were expecting Gulf Coast to be 2-0. and No, not at so, all. It could be interesting. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'll have an interview with Fort Myers head coach Sam Sirianni Jr. Have your say on which high school football matchup should be the game of the week. The news press and Naples Daily News staffs will select three games in each county and your votes on news-press.com, naplesdailynews.com, or the mobile apps will determine which is the game of the week. Welcome back to Inside Southwest Florida Football. I'm Adam Regan of the News Press. 
and I sat down with Fort Myers head coach Sam Sirianni Jr. earlier this week to talk about the team's rivalry game against North Fort Myers. And it's the first home game of the year in Fort Myers, and that means it's Sam Sirianni Senior Day. So the pageantry will be tremendous there. You'll have Margaret Sirianni sitting on the sidelines after she does the coin flip. So let's hear what Sam Sirianni Jr. had to say about this week's game. Sam, how you doing? Good, Adam. Uh, good to have you here. And I've just got a couple questions for you this week. First, 42 nothing going to Clewiston. That's a tall order to go over and uh, do that kind of job on Clewiston. What did you see that you liked? Well, first of all, you know, we were the fortunate ones going over to the – everybody thought in the morning that we probably would have the worst of the weather. Uh, but we were very fortunate. We had a beautiful night, which was important, not just the fact we got to keep – the normalcy of a Friday, we got to see our football team on a regular conditions, you know, not muddy or rainy, which I think gives you a better chance to determine what you kind of have uh, on a good regular field track. So offensively got off to a good start, really played a good first half, you know, only had the ball three possessions. They moved the football. It was, you know, scores not indicative of the first half. We were fortunate, you know, and completed all three drives, and uh, two of their three got into our, you know, deep into our territory. They had a turnover, and uh, we stopped them the other time. So uh, the game could have been different at halftime, but you know, I thought we executed fairly well. Willie uh, Neal really did a great job directing what we were doing. We had a little snap issues in the first series that didn't seem to phase him. He had to be kind of a shortstop center fielder back here. But uh, once we got the center snap ironed out, you know, I think he threw to six or seven different receivers. And he's just such a heady kid. He sees the field, sees the game so slow compared to a lot of people, and, and that was good. Uh, kicking game was good. We had a punt return for a touchdown. We had another couple good returns. Punt the kickers did well. Um, defensively, you know, you give up zero, you love it, but that's the bottom line. But we got a lot, you know, we just a work in progress. You know, we're we're young and we're playing a lot of football players, but the thing you're giving us is effort. And I saw improvements, and we'll just have to hopefully that continue through the year. And Sammy, you unveiled the full-on spread offense in the spring, and I feel like people are still shocked by it. Every time uh, I talk to Adam Fisher on the podcast every week and we bring up the spread in Fort Myers and he just can't believe it, why does this fit your personnel? We've kind of been a little bit misjudged over the last seven, eight years when Coach Road was here, you know, Richie. We had gone to a wing T version of the spread with TJ Douglas and you know, we were morphing a little bit into spreading the field out, uh, but kept all of our wing components. As far as this actual spread, you know, I mean, we're really a true spread team. You know, last year, Willie came to us, you know, in the summer without a spring practice. Uh, we were really, really young from a, a 2016 veteran offensive group. And we were looking for an identity, and, and it kind of seemed that we were a little of a wing and a little bit of a, we called it a wildcat. It wasn't intended to be a full-fledged part of our offense, just a, a part, but we lost a tough game to Dunbar uh, where I think we were minus five or six turnovers, which was kind of par for the course, and they were all in the wing tee. It blew my mind. Our turnovers were all self-inflicted stuff. That was the whole idea of the wing, control the ball, protect the ball. And last year was just a disaster. I don't know what it was, a lot of factors, but 
So I basically, I think I stayed here, if I remember, all night that night. The coaches came in the next morning. I said, look, going into the playoffs, you know, we're going to be a wildcat spread, whatever you call it. Of course, we had the big game against Palmetto Ridge. I think Willie threw for three and ran for two or three. And then at North, you know, we should have put 21 points up the first half. We had one call back. We had a controversial, was it a catch? Not. And then people forget, Willie pulled his hamstring the first series of the third quarter. So we went back to the wing, and the wing limped us to that crazy finish. Uh, we were able to shorten the game and do the things we needed to do. So we just were returning that whole cast, basically, and with a couple new parts in it, you know, young kids that have grown into it. It just fits, starting with Willie and, and then Sias and Milan. They're, you know, they're, they're really, really special in space. Then you had John, 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 and uh, Coleus, and you know, and some of the other receivers that uh, it just fit. And up front, we just don't look like a wing T line, you know, or just don't have the right guards that fit the puzzle. And perfect storm, that's all I can say. And as we get into week two, first home game of the season, Sam Sirianni senior day, how special is this day every year for your mother and the rest of your family? It's always a special uh, week for the family. You know, you, rem- you know, get some time to reflect. First of all, it's amazing when you think, you know, it's been 16 years. and gives us a chance. Uh, you know, a lot of the old greenies, a lot of his old greenies come back. And you know, I'll remember that his first game in 1969 was against North. So this year, any time it happens to be, you know, in this case, North Fort Myers on a Sam Sandy night, it makes it even a little more special. Uh, because that was his first actual game, you know, when he came to Fort Myers. So, uh, and then the rivalry. And I know we've played North before in this situation, and I've ran into some North people that found out they're part of this. That they may not like the Green Wave, but they always had respect, and they kind of feel honored to be part of that too. So, uh, I believe if I ever, you know, if I ever could handpick who would be this game on Sam Sherry night, it has a lot of symbolic meaning of his first game and the great history of the two schools and you know and then of course piggybacking off of last year first ever lee county lee county playoff and the event itself is special i know to my mother she uh it's bittersweet but she'll love to flip the coin and and be part of it and it's always a neat neat tribute you know to uh, someone that was very special in this community uh, not just to fort myers high school and i think uh, i always get a lot of well wishers beyond just the people here uh, which makes you, you know, really understand his magnitude of this in, in this area. And while we're talking about North Fort Myers, I caught you at the game yesterday uh, against Riverdale. North played a pretty good game against them. What did you see that worries you about North, and what is it going to take to be successful against North? North Fort Myers is kind of a misconception. Yes, they graduated some really heavy star power. Uh, you know, went through Coach Graham, you know, retiring or resigning and. Uh, new staff. It's always a transition in that regard, but uh, I see a, a football team well coached. Uh, the best compliment I could give him is is from the spring to what I saw, you know, here in the fall. I mean, the, the leaps and bounds uh, is a compliment to how well they've been coached. How much better they pose a lot of problems. They got some good athletes too. I mean, they're not just the cupboard isn't fully bare. I mean, Ernest had done a good job of, of getting that uh, thing rolling over there. And it's Fort Myers North. It's a unique game. I always call it. It's the, the Caloosahatchee game, you know. 
Riverdale's a good football team. It was a good football game. I believe the game turned with the you know with the fumble on the goal line. You know it's about to be fourteen all. I saw two good football teams, physical football teams. That'll be our biggest challenge. You know, last week, Cluiston took it to us a little bit, but our kids, I thought, improved from the week before. We got to make that next jump here because as we move through this season, we've always believed we win with defense, and and our defense has to continue to make strides. It's a good group of young kids, but they're kids, not much experience there. And uh, I know Coach Martin and his group will do a great job with them. It's just a matter of. Uh, of them getting some time to gel. But. Well, Sam, Sammy, thanks for joining me on the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Uh, we look forward to talking to you, and good luck. Thanks, Adam, for everything you do, and uh, hopefully we'll have a good, uh, good football game for you this week. And that was Fort Myers head coach Sam Sirianni Jr. And if you want to follow that North Fort Myers-Fort Myers rivalry game, go to news-press.com, and we'll have updates from all of the games around the area. We'll be right back. After the games each week, go to naplesnews.com, news-press.com, or our apps on your mobile device for photos, videos, and analysis from games throughout Southwest Florida. And we are back with the Inside Southwest Florida football podcast. It's now our favorite time of the show, the show where we get to interact with you, the fans, the listeners. We, we take questions from you on Twitter or Instagram if you have a question for us about anything. We like it to be about football, but if it's about life, whatever you want, let us know. I'm at NDN underscore Adam on Twitter, and you are? I'm at NP underscore Adam Regan on Twitter. So the first question went to you, and what was that? First question's from Kane239. That's at Tapia underscore Rick on Twitter. He wants to know what the top three games in the area are as of right now. Well, number one, I'm going to put the Immokalee at Naples game. That's September 21st. Yeah, that's always the biggest game in Collier County. Two biggest programs. The only teams in Southwest Florida history to have won state championships, excluding Cluiston. Only teams in Collier County. So, yeah, that's going to be big. They didn't get to play last year now. I mean, it's, it's also fluid. This can change. If Immokalee loses the next two games or 0-3, it's not. I think it's still big. It's still big in terms of fans and, and what, what they expect, but it won't mean as much in terms of the standings and playoff points and all that stuff. I think September 21st is going to be a big day. You're going to have Fort Myers and Charlotte playing. That's a playoff preview. Charlotte's going to be in that region. Fort Myers is going to be in that region. Naples is going to be in that region. It'll be it'll pretty, be a pretty good playoff preview. The next one, uh, I would say, is going to be the District 7A-12 championship game between Riverdale and South Fort Myers. That's at South. Riverdale, I think, has a real shot at a district championship this year, and I think that both of those teams will beat Gulf Coast. Well, let's tell them there's only three teams in that yes. district. So Gulf Coast and those other two teams we mentioned, and we expect also, yeah, both those teams to beat Gulf Coast. That means the winner of that game right there is going to be 2-0 in the district and will be the district champion, which is an automatic berth into the playoffs. And, man, if Riverdale wins a district championship, yeah. you'll be able to feel the reverberations down in Collier, in Collier County. County. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say the week after that, that's October 12th, a game I always look forward to. It's those small school programs I mentioned, which are really good. Community school at St. John Newman. That could be big for playoff points. This year, 2A has a bye built in, so I think the winner of that game has, is lined up for a big seed in the uh, playoffs. Honorable mention, the I'm going to ring your bell game. 
That's going to be Riverdale at Lehigh. Riverdale beat them at home last year. That's last week of the season. And then another last week of the season game, North Fort Myers and South Fort Myers renew their rivalry after a little bit of a break after a pregame fight broke out. That's right. In the preseason uh, game, right? In the preseason game. I was covering game. that game. Yes. That was before we were a one one happy Gannett family. Yes. Uh, Zaquandre White of North Fort Myers now at uh, Florida State. And then you have Andre Polk, who is at USF, I believe. Uh, they I mean, that was a real fight. I mean, there were fit. There, yeah, there uh, were swings. I mean, he got suspended for six games, didn't he? Yeah. Zaquandre? They took a break after that one, and absolutely nobody who was involved in that game is still a coach at oh, I, wow. I, either of the schools. Obviously, Zaquandre and Andre aren't at the schools anymore, and both schools have new athletic directors, too. It's, you know— it was so it's, starting it, fresh. It was time to bring that one back. Next question is from our buddy Tim Hart at Tim Hart Jr. on Twitter. Let me preface by saying that Tim played high school football at Mariner High School with Mariner coach Travis Smith and LaBelle coach Chris Siner. Uh-huh. He wants to know who's the better looking of Travis Smith and Chris Siner. I will answer it this way. If you're going for that all-American good-looking mm. guy, I would go with Chris Siner. But – I would say if you want that, you know, country rough look, that you know, the manly man give that manly vibe, I would go with Travis Smith. I'll tell you what, I did my best investigative research into this, which included going into our archives and looking up one picture of Travis Smith cuz I've met Chris Siner before. I'd never met Travis Smith. Um, and I'm going hands down Travis Smith. Yeah. That's no disrespect to Chris Siner, but Travis it, Smith had a great beard. It, the beard like game that. is strong with it Travis. It is. Smith. He looks like a and um, like I said, a rugged guy. Chris Siner, good-looking guy, a little too plain for me. So if you want to win this argument, Chris, maybe, I don't know, grow a mustache, maybe get a face tattoo, something that's going to make you stand out, you know? And the earring, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just spitballing here. Sweet. So let's move on to uh, my question from Collier County. This is from Philip Perez in Immokalee. That's at P Perez 86 Philip is all up in my mentions well, all the time. I want to give a shout out to Philip because he was the quarterback on Immokalee's yes, 2004 state championship. And did you know he's RJ Rosales' brother in law? He's married to RJ's sister. I so, did not. Yes, I did not know yes, that. Is. That is so. Um, so he asked me when can and should there be a Collier County versus Lee County All Star game? Fantastic question. Love that question. I love it too. That's the best question we've got so far. And what are your thoughts from from a guy who actually covers an All Star game because there is one here in Lee County? Yeah, we got the the Kerrigan, Kerrigan game. I, I'm not sure if Kerrigan's name is on the game anymore, but it will always be known as the Kerrigan sure. game. It's the you know they got players from every single school in Lee County playing that game. It's a big deal for the cheerleaders who get picked, the trainers. They have cheerleading all stars. Like yes, you have to be the best cheerleader on your squad to get well, picked. One hundred percent. Wow, that's the most that's the most competitive team to wow. get on. Yes, interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting game. It gives the kids a good send off. And they, they've got some rules where you have to be at your, your present school for two years. You can't transfer oh, really? for your senior year. So a lot of guys are left out of that All-Star game because they transfer somewhere else <laughs> their senior year. Guys, yeah. So like I said, it's a, it's a good send-off, but I would favor a Lee versus Collier All-Star game. I agree. I mean, and it sounds good in theory, right? The best in Collier versus the best in Lee. But let's be honest, guys. All-Star football All-Star games are not good. They're not fun. These guys, they just get together after the season's over. They've been together a week. It's sloppy football. And the Collier County guys, I mean, there's always so many of them at Naples, at Immokalee playing. That's no disrespect to Collier County, but they've just made deeper playoff runs. So those guys have not been eligible. You know, they tried one of these in Collier County a few years back, and it didn't work. Just because 
you do something like this, you can't lose money on it. This, the Kiwanis Club did it. So a charity foundation, and they weren't making money, so they couldn't afford it to do it anymore. So can they? It would be tough. Should they? Eh. Disagree, dis- couldn't disagree more with you on this one because the Lee County guys on social media, the trash talk is strong. Yeah. And you know what's funny is we were talking about Riverdale, Palmetto Ridge. I was thinking there's not a lot of Collier-Lee matchups this year. Um, Naples, I don't think, plays any Lee County teams. Immokalee plays the ones in their districts. The Lee County kids, they want this game. They want to prove themselves. I think it would be a better brand of football. You look at the All-Star games and you look at trick plays and all that stuff. I don't think there would be a lot of that. I think these kids would want to win that game. I think it would be a pride factor. It would have to be a true All-Star game. The one in Carter County was a senior game. And so basically any senior on a roster got to play. And even up here, it's only seniors, right? Right. I don't like that. The best running back last year, the best quarterback in Carter County, R.J. Rosales, was a sophomore. He wouldn't have got to play in the All-Star game. You've no, playing it this year either. Let's say you're right. Let's pick the best kids and have them go at it and trim those rosters. I mean, you would only have half as many Lee County All-Stars because you wouldn't have two teams. Kids would probably not like that. But for the fans, for the people, it, it would be a better game. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Our last one. From Sancho Panza on Twitter, that's at Sancho Panza, 1969. That is a, that is a great name on Twitter. Yeah, and his, uh, his uh, avatar is of Jim McElwain. So it might be Jim McElwain's burner account. I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. He asked me, can Golden Gate win Class 6A District 12? Now, that's a tough one because Golden Gate just had a huge victory over Immokalee. They are in that four-team district, which is all Collier teams. It's Golden Gate, it's Baron Collier, it's Palmetto Ridge, and it's eight-time district champion Naples High School. So basically you're asking, can Golden Gate beat Naples? You know, they almost beat them last year. Naples kind of had that had that dip last year where they just couldn't score points. The offense couldn't get going. Golden Gate was down two points in the fourth, ended up losing by nine. So can they? I think they can. Will they? I don't know. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here, guys. The, the tradition at Naples is winning district championships. Right. I understand the excitement coming out of Golden Gate, and we even talked about it before the Immokalee game about you know how this could be their year. I think it depends on how you define their year. I don't think that includes a district championship. I, I think that includes a playoff berth. Well, and again, let's wait and see. Golden Gate could uh, slip up and lose to Lemon Bay this week, and then it's a whole different conversation. Well, that doesn't so matter in the district, per se. It doesn't, but it, it matters how, how we frame Golden Gate, you know, what we think of them. And I'm trying to look up their first district game, Golden Gate, because it was only three weeks. It's September 28th, so we've got a few weeks until they get going. So... Those are our Twitter questions. Again, if you want to ask us a question for next week's show, hit us up at NDN underscore Adam on Twitter. Mr. Regan. I'm at NP underscore Adam Regan. And we will be right back with predictions. For the most in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. On Twitter, NPHS Sports and NDN underscore Prep Zone, or download our apps. Welcome back to Inside Southwest Florida Football. I'm Adam Regan of the News Press, and as always, I'm joined by Adam Fisher of the Naples Daily News, and we're going to do our predictions. But before I get into that, I want to talk about how awful we Putrid. did last week. I went 5-5 five and five last week, and I didn't think it could get any worse than that. <laughs> and then you go 3-7. and seven. 
Regan, I seriously considered handing in my resignation letter uh, to my boss, Mr. Greg Hardwig, because I was embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I'm supposed to be the expert here in football, and I go three and seven. So, um, but I promise everyone, promise everyone, I will be, do better this week. If I go worse than three and seven, I'll buy every listener a um, a Gatorade. Oh man, that's going to be awesome! I'm totally <laughs> tweeting that out. And I want I want to mention that Adam wanted to be the contrarian last week, so he went against Naples at home. I yeah, don't think that that stupid. was the week to do it, so that kind of really cost him. I might do it again. I might do it again, too. I'm, I'm, that's going to be a game-time decision. We'll wait till that comes up. First game we were going to get into, North Fort Myers at Fort Myers. Adam, who you got? I'm going to take Fort Myers. Like we've said, North is okay, but Fort Myers is real good. I'll agree with you on that one. Fort Myers in a closer game than we think. Thursday Night Football, Lehigh at Dunbar. Dunbar bounces back. They're embarrassed. They're sad about that 27-point uh, loss last week. They beat Lehigh. I agree. Dunbar. The Cape Coral at Estero matchup. Cape coming off a big win over South. And Estero coming off a big loss, a 40-point loss. So I'm going to go with Cape Coral. I will go with Cape Coral and head coach Dale Moore as well. Sexy game time. Oh, man. I, and I want us Riverdale to be... at Palmetto Ridge. Go. I want us to be different. So I just want to pick the opposite of you. but You have no idea who I'm going to pick. I know. That's why I wanted you to go first. So I guess it being at Palmetto Ridge... No, I'm going to go with Riverdale. They've, they've impressed me this, this year so far. I'm going to go Riverdale. Oh, man, I've been on the Riverdale bandwagon since July. Well, you want to flip it? You Two games in five days for James Delgado's Riverdale squad. Palmetto Ridge so talented. At Palmetto Ridge, I'm going Palmetto Ridge. All right, some disagreement. South Fort Myers at Port Charlotte. Port Charlotte, they're stacked. Yeah, they're stacked. They're off a uh, playoff um, season last year. And South, I think, is a little down, have not impressed me the first two weeks. So I'm going to take Port Charlotte at home. I will match you on that one. Port Charlotte at home. Eastley at Cypress Lake. (sighs) Cypress Lake, not sure what to make of them because they lose big in the preseason. They win big in week one. But they're at home, and I don't know much about Eastley. So I'll go with uh, Cypress Lake. Eastley is always that team you're waiting to upset somebody. But this year they're rebuilding. And Cypress Lake is pretty good. I will go Cypress Lake. Here we go. Here we go. Miami Palmetto at Naples. Revenge game for Naples after losing at home last year to Palmetto. As I said, Palmetto, a very good 8A team. That's a big school. Naples wasn't overly impressive in week one. They looked pretty good at times. So, guys, for the second week in a row, Naples does not lose at home, but I'm going against the Golden Eagles at home. I will take the Palmetto Panthers. Let's do this. Mr. Bill Kramer, if you are listening to this, until you guys lose at home, I will not pick against you at home. Naples. Gotcha. And it's funny you say that because last week I said I can't pick against Immokalee until Immokalee loses. Well, Immokalee lost last week. This week, Immokalee's at Fort Lauderdale University School, a 4A program, but a good one that's gone to the playoffs recently. It's a long trip. Uh, I don't know if R.J. Rosales is playing, but uh, no disrespect to my guys out in Immokalee, but I'm going to take university. That's the thing. Is R.J. Rosales playing? Whatever, I don't care. Immokalee. <laughs> take him. Take him. Glades Day at Community School. Interesting. It is. We broke this one down earlier, and I'll just take Community School well-rested at home. I'm going to go with Glades Day. Okay. On the, I, on the road. I think either way it's going to be a good game. And the last one we got, Lemon Bay at Golden Gate. 
I mean, you, you mentioned trap game earlier in last week, and this could be it for Golden Gate. Not that Lemon Bay is great, but Golden Gate riding high. Maybe they're getting a little too full of themselves. This would be a, a colossal loss for them. It would be soul-crushing. But I don't think they do it. I think they just have the talent to, to win out. Even if they're not 100% prepared, I'll take Golden Gate. I'll go with Golden Gate as well. Gotcha. And that wraps up our pick segment. Hopefully, we can do better than last week. It's not going to be hard for you. Yeah, no, at, not at uh, all. Three and seven. If you can't win four games, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't want to see you turn in your resignation letter or buy people Gatorade or what, whatever promises you're, you're throwing out there to our listeners. But we're going to hold you accountable. Well, please do. Please do. And as I said, I promise. In fact, I'm going to say right now, I will not go 3-7 and seven again. That's a, that's a fact right there. That's a guarantee. So that's going to wrap up this week's edition of Inside Southwest Florida Football. Adam Fisher of the Naples Daily News, thank you again for uh, joining us at our palatial studios at the News Press offices in Fort Myers. And we'll be back next week with more analysis, more awesome picks, and coaches' interviews. And don't forget to go to news-press.com and naplesnews.com on Friday nights for all of your high school football needs. And we'll see you on the sidelines. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Thursday at noon to get you ready for the coming week's games.